Just as we, as we continue along our incredible journey of talking about Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you. I don't know how many of you have been able just to kind of stay on track with how far we've come and what we have been talking about. Um, one of the things that I do just want to remind you of, Holy Spirit, is that He is easily neglected. And so even as I talk this morning, there may be things that would be kind of new to you perhaps, or old to you, or whatever it may be, I just don't want us to neglect Him. Because it's so easy, it's, it's the one of the Godhead, the one God in the, in the Trinity that is easily neglected and forgotten. And hence we have been on an unplanned journey of probably about seven, eight weeks already talking about Holy Spirit. In the midst of a, of a COVID crisis where we actually should talk about faith and stirring one another and how can we reach each other and, and, and how can we stay strong and how can we read the Bible and all those things are all valuable and helpful, but somehow Holy Spirit has helped us to, to focus on Him. And so it is not a coincidence that we have kind of stumbled into this current focus of ours of talking about Holy Spirit because there are things about Him that are so in a sense, mystical to people that they don't want to go there because it sounds weird and spooky and whatever else. And, and we need to help one another to embrace who He is because He is the one with us. We said a couple of weeks ago, it's better to have Holy Spirit inside of us than Jesus beside us. And so that's why we've just kind of been pausing and, and talking about Him. And, and so over the last couple of weeks, we have have incredible moments where we've spoken about his personality and, and how he maybe reveals himself and, and how he is perhaps experienced. And, and it's been wonderful, all the different kind of symbols that the Bible uses to help us understand who he is. And, and so this morning we want to talk about receiving him, receiving him into our lives. And, and, and many of you perhaps have come to understand it um, over the course of serving Jesus, but there's something very important about understanding how we, what it, what it means to receive him. And so I'm going to just throw up some, some important concepts or ways that, that, that this is kind of explained in the Bible. Just some, some of those references, and we're going to just look at them. Um, important concepts um, that we see repeated about Holy Spirit in the Bible. And by the way, this morning, please, if you can, if you are on the broadcast list, these notes will be given to you. But if you're not, please add yourself if you want to. Otherwise, please take notes because, again, the, the after effect of a preach is us taking the notes and us going through the verses ourselves and, and studying them so that that becomes real to us and we can help others to make it real to them. Because we're all called to disciple one another, correct? You're, you're sitting here for the benefit of somebody else this morning. How's that? Maybe there's somebody that that is desperately needing to hear the stuff that you will hear this morning. And if we don't receive it fully, then you're going to let that person miss out. So as much as it is for you, it, it is, it's for somebody else too. All right, so let's dive into it. So there are some important concepts that we see. So first of all, we see in the Bible, it talks about in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit will be poured out. And, and we're not going to read through all those verses. And, but, but they're just wonderful portions that, that help us and prepare us in a sense of what he's coming to do. Um, in John, uh, in Matthew 3 verse 11, John the Baptist says, 
Um, not many days from now, I'm busy baptizing you in water, but there's someone that's going to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Like, wow, that's a kind of different um, baptism that's coming. Jesus says in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, when he prepares the disciples that he's going to be leaving, he says, guys, you're going to go and wait for me until you're clothed with power from on high. So that's referring to Holy Spirit. It's not referring to this um, sudden lightning that will strike from heaven and a kind of stuff that you see in movies. There's someone that's going to come and live with you and in you. And then Jesus again um, he, he speaks to his disciples before he leaves, and, and he says to them, receive Holy Spirit. So he breathes upon them. So there's something very special that happens there. We carry on, and Jesus again talking. He says in Acts 1, verse 4 to 5, we'll read a little bit later about this, where he talks about you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus again, later on in that same chapter, he says, when he comes you will receive power to be my witnesses. So again, talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit and how we will receive him. And then in Luke, um, then Luke says in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, um, he writes what happened to the disciples where they were actually filled with the Holy Spirit. And so here are just some interesting ways in which the presence or the coming of the Holy Spirit is, is explained to us. The question after all of that would be, now how do we receive this? And it's wonderful to see all of that and what he will come and how he will come and what he will come to do. He will baptize us. We will receive power. But how do we receive? How do we get filled with him? How does this baptism thing talk? How does that happen? How do we know, by the way, that we are filled with Holy Spirit? Is there some sort of a, a gauge in our lives that we can, that we can measure whether he's in us or he's not in us? So these are the things that we'd like to talk about this morning, and, and there's no intention in this preach to kind of separate us from people that not, may not necessarily believe in some of the things that I will take you to. Because what happens often in the body of Christ is that some believe this and others believe that, and we kind of separate ourselves from one another, and we shouldn't do that. I'm not talking about the absolute of Jesus Christ being, there's no other way that, to, that we can get saved but through Him. But sometimes when we start engaging Holy Spirit, there are some that say, no, 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 we don't, we don't go there. That's kind of like un, you know, chartered territory. Just leave that for, for others. And, and then others, I go, man, I want this. And, and some excesses happen and there's weird and strange things happening. We're not trying to talk about Holy Spirit to create gaps between believers. We're trying to just bring the word across and, and share the truth from the scripture so that we can live within that that reality of who he is, okay? And so I'm gonna just help us by looking at some verses and see how we receive him and, and what else happens in our lives. So the first point I wanna make is we receive him at conversion. So the moment you and I get saved, that happens. And the verses that are up there are very clearly um, just some indicators. When, when Peter, in Acts chapter two, if we can go there quickly, um, Peter was preaching Remember this, um, in this mild, well not mild, this guy that was afraid of talking about or being associated with Jesus, suddenly he preaches, and we'll talk about how that came about. But in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, the people say to him after he'd preached this amazing message, they were cut to the heart, and uh, Peter said to them after they asked, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're asking, 
How do we get saved? Repent. Repent means I turn away and I turn to and I believe in who he is and what Christ has done for me. And it says, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so here we see that at conversion, we receive Holy Spirit. We receive not the gifts, we receive the gift. Very interesting, the difference there. We receive this promise that will come and be part of our lives. And so you and I, the moment we get born again, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 13 talks about a baptism of the Spirit in which we are baptized into the body, the body of Christ. The moment we say yes to Jesus, you and I become part of the body, the believers. Look around you, there are believers. I think they are. I think they are. You want to check? Some of them are asleep. No, no, they're not. Um, just they, these are the people that we belong to. Once we become born again, we are, in a sense, baptized. We are immersed into what we call the body, the body of believers. And in that moment, Holy Spirit comes and resides in us. The indwelt presence of God comes. Holy Spirit is with you. We read in Romans chapter 8 as well, where, where Paul refers to the fact that Christians are not by definition in the flesh. For those who believe in Christ are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He says, guys, you're not, you're not, because you're born again, you don't have to succumb to the flesh. You have the Spirit of God in you because you've said yes to Jesus. So the moment you and I say yes to Christ, we accept Him into our lives, we become born again. And so at conversion, we receive Holy Spirit into our lives. We already have him, therefore, as our guide and our comfort by virtue of us becoming born again. We don't earn his presence. We don't work for his presence. We don't get, you know, um, blessed because we've done something well and therefore he says, okay, now I'll come and be with you. Good works will never earn the presence of Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the good work of Jesus on the cross that enabled us to have the presence of God through Holy Spirit in our lives, okay? That's why Jesus said, it's better that I go so that he can come, all right? So upon conversion, you have Holy Spirit in your life. So this morning, if you have ever wondered, is Holy Spirit in my life? Because you're saved, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, he lives within you, okay? You all good with that? Holy Spirit is your friend. Now, very interestingly, while I just make my way to a bottle of water, that has no significance on what I'm going to say just now. It's just because I'm thirsty. It's just practical things that happen in life. We see that there is another experience with Holy Spirit after conversion that is explained in the Bible. And this is sometimes where people may differ. I understand. I just find that the Bible teaches me another experience. And from many people's experience here on earth, we do find that, that, that together with what we find in the Word, many people have and are experiencing this. When we go to Acts chapter 1, we, we're in this beautiful book called Acts. And um, I love the book of Acts because it just helps us to understand what God wants to do amongst us now, today. So Acts in, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is talking to believers who as of that moment had not yet received the immersion of the Spirit. Because in verses 4 of chapter 1, it says the following. 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem, he said to them, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So these people are the followers of Jesus. who have come to have faith in him. In actual fact, in John 20, he breathed upon them, so to speak, in the sense that their conversion, they've already received Holy Spirit. But here's something that he says to them will happen now after conversion. And he says, guys, you will be immersed. That's the word baptizo, which is baptized, where we get our word baptized from. But really what it means is you will be immersed. Baptize is not just sprinkle, by the way. Baptize is you dip. And so Jesus is saying, many days, not many days from now, you will be baptized, you will be immersed in the Spirit. And there will be something incredible will happen to you. And I believe Jesus is here referring to receiving extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry here on earth. And it's for every believer. So he's saying, you will receive power which is dunamis, which we, it's a word, Greek word dunamis where we get our word dynamite from. So he says dynamite power will come into your life when you are immersed, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. When he comes to you after conversion, after understanding what it means to be saved, there's something special for you that I want you to experience, not so that you can have emotional, oh, that was nice, oh, goosebumps. Ah. No, he says there's a purpose for him to come. Because you guess what? The church is about to establish and we need to proclaim the word of God. Not just by preaching on stages, but by living it everyday life. And so Christ-exalting ministry, the purpose of Holy Spirit coming, is for every believer. Because every believer is a minister of the word of God. Every believer is a missionary. So you need to be a missionary wherever you are. Therefore, you need the power of God through Holy Spirit in your life wherever you are. And we don't just receive the power of God so that we can have a great moment and like some strange things happen. And we don't want to just go to the root of the strange things. We want to go to the root of saying, God, the purpose of your power and your presence upon my life is so that I can be what you want me to be. And there seems to be some incredible clarity brought to us that after conversion, this happens. And so Jesus promises this to them. He says, guys, I'll baptize you with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave and he's going to come. And then Acts chapter 2, it gives us that, that example that they're up in the upper room and they're sitting waiting and they're praying and, and then boom! There's no relevance to that moment. Just boom, just try to get your attention. Um, just at that moment, we read the following happening. Just please read with me chapter 2. Folks, this is exciting stuff. This is how we manage to live our lives here on earth with the victorious presence of Holy Spirit in us that turns my life and your life into some significance because we recognize His presence in us. And He's no longer neglected. And we're like, oh, I don't know how to live this life as a Christian because there's so much uh, re resistance against us and, and there's so much uh, turmoil going on. It's the power of God within us that we live from. Not from the knowledge up here, but from the power of God in us. And so Acts chapter 2, I get excited about this stuff because it's real. I've seen it in so many people's lives, and I've seen it in my life, where a timid little whatever, nobody is turned into, not somebody significant, but just has purpose in life because Holy Spirit comes to reside in us. 
And the dunamis power of God functions through us. Acts chapter one, uh, 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It was just a sound. It wasn't the wind, hey? And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Look, what's that? It's just, just God saying, listen, I'm here. Get over it and trying to figure it out and whine. Well, just God is there. He just wanted to reveal himself this way. And if God wants to do it that way, then so be it, folks. Let's not try to reason it out. And, and what we often do, we reason it away. Oh, it doesn't fit my frame of thinking. How does it work? I can't imagine it. It's God at work. And so verse 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. These are born-again believers that have followed Jesus, that have had John 20, verse 22, Jesus breathed upon them the Holy Spirit. But here he comes in dunamis power, and they were filled in that one moment with the Holy Spirit, it says, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So suddenly... They have this incredible ability to speak languages in that context that the people on the street could understand and they could magnify the Lord in another language so that the other people whose language they were hearing could say, wow, this is strange. They thought they were drunk with alcohol. And that's where Peter came and said, ah, guys, these men are not drunk as you suppose. This is what God had promised will happen, that in the last days he will pour out his spirit upon sons and daughters, upon slaves and, and freemen and upon men and women and whatever else, so that they can manifest his presence and declare to the world that he is alive. So here we find, Acts 1, Jesus says it's going to come. He's coming. Acts 2, we see it happening. And we read throughout Acts, as you carry on, Acts 12, 8 rather, and, and in Acts 19, you see more evidence that after someone had been saved, there's a moment where they are being prayed for and say, God, may your spirit come and fill them. And this dunamis moment happens. And normal people, you guys are normal? <laughs> Some of you. <clears throat> Um, who else? If you consider yourself normal, just raise your hand. Why are you guys not raising your hands? <laughs> What's the reason that you're not raising your hand, Vanya? Are you busy writing in your Bible? Which is normal. That's fine. <laughs> now, the thing is that, that we are all normal people. We all kind of look the same. Some of you are older than others than us. Um, but you're all virtually normal. The point is that it's upon normal people that the Spirit of God comes. You're not normal, hey, Neil? You're, okay, that's good. Kitty says, yeah. <laughs> the point is normal people receive God's Spirit to turn us into people that, that still look the same, but we function differently because the Spirit of God comes and lives upon us. And it doesn't, it doesn't turn us into strange and weird human beings. It just turns us into people that are passionate about Jesus, that are eager to, to love those around us, to, to reach out to the unlovable, that will do extraordinary things. Normal people like you sitting here that are doing amazing things for people and, and reaching out to them because the Spirit of God has come to revive you, to say you cannot just live for yourself. You've got to live beyond yourself. And this is what we find here. 
that this kind of dunamis presence of God comes and it turns normal people into amazing followers of Jesus Christ. And nobody is superior to anyone else. And not walking around. That's, that's the danger, by the way, if we consider ourselves to be filled with God's Spirit and be baptized by Him and, and there's gifts operating that we think ourselves superior to anyone else. Please don't. Please don't. You're not. It's just that God has chosen to work in us as human vessels, normal vessels, as weak vessels to display His glory. It's His glory. And at the end of the day, that's the question we've got to ask is when you are functioning in the way that God has called you to function, who gets the glory? Is it Him or are you trying to keep it? That's one of the things that will, by the way, quench the Spirit of God working in us if we take the glory. It'll put out the fire. So rather make sure that you always bring glory to Him. And so as we see this, we see that at conversion, we receive Holy Spirit. But then there's a special, incredible moment that happens after conversion that Holy Spirit comes upon believers. And we see that it continues to happen in Scripture. Let me take you to Acts chapter 4 and just read to you from 29 where we see there's a continuation of being filled as we follow Him. Acts chapter 4, are you still with me? One of, the, one of the things about the first meeting is we've got to push it a little bit because um, we've got a second meeting coming. And so it's a, sometimes, oh, we've got enough time. Sheesh, I can relax. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, we read the following. And now, this is the believers together. And, um, and they're preaching and they're talking and it says here, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Amazing. This is what, this is what the disciples were praying for, boldness. And while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus, please do these things, it says. And then in verse 31 it says, and when they had prayed, these are believers, eh? It says, the place in which they would gather together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And continued. Say that with me. Continued. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So there's something that they continue to experience. And so it's like, we receive but we want to continue receiving. We want to continue to express our need to be filled with Him. We find that, that Paul encourages us this in, in Ephesians 5, verse 18. Why don't you go there with me? Ephesians 5, verse 18 says the following. And do not get drunk with wine. Anyone say amen to that? Thank you, thank you. Um, it doesn't say do not drink wine. And some said amen again. Uh-huh. Yes, you guys are awake, huh? It says, do not get drunk with wine. If you could get drunk with, no, no, it's no, let's not go there. Um, it says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. On the contrary, Paul says, but be filled with the Spirit. So he says, guys, do not overindulge yourself in stuff that is harmful, but indulge yourself with that, we can use that word. Immerse yourself with what is good 
So keep on being filled. Keep on receiving from the Spirit of God. Because that is what we should fill ourselves with. Isn't it amazing that in the physical, to get drunk, you don't just take one glass or one bottle or whatever it is. It's a, some people would probably get drunk on, on less, but others, it seems like you've got to get, I have never tried that anyway, but um, it says that you've got to have a lot of alcohol to be able to get drunk on, on. Anyone that can agree with that? Just somewhere in your life, it's been tested and never happened again. It was just like a, a moment of weakness, huh? Uh, and nobody, the ones, no, that's fine. We don't have testimonies that need to come now. Oh, you want to come, Kirk? That's fine then if you want to. No, don't worry. <laughs> um, point is that, that they say, they say um, that you've got to have a lot of alcohol to get drunk. See, guys are awake now. Now I'm talking about alcohol. Like everybody's eyes are open. <laughs> See, that's weird. Anyway, so in the same way, if we have a lot of alcohol that's required to get drunk, isn't it important that we have a lot of spirit to drink from, to be filled with him? And I'm not talking about being drunk in the spirit. Because that's also kind of like a weird kind of um, state to be in. I don't think God takes away our sense of, of rational thinking when his presence comes. People are like, oh, I was just so drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, I don't know. I think you, were not, you knew exactly what you were doing, buddy. Um, because... You are aware of the fact that you're just fully in love with Jesus. And you want to reach out and you want to love him and you want to love people. That's in a good state of mind. But you're so aware of his presence and less of your own. That's when we are filled. And actually, in a sense, could call it then drunk. We're overwhelmed by him and his presence. So this is what Paul says we should rather aspire for. So what I'm saying is that we receive him at conversion. There's this baptism that comes, but there's a continuation of being filled and receiving. A question I want to ask, because I'm trying to work through these things in my own way, and I'm saying, how are we filled on a consistent basis? If, if Paul is saying, be filled and keep on being filled, that's really what he's saying. It's not just once off. I remember 15 August 1995 or whatever, I was filled with the Spirit and that's it. You know, I... Never actually pursued him since and never enjoyed his presence. Paul is saying, be filled and keep on being filled. Keep on receiving. How do we receive? How do we receive on a consistent basis? I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians 12. Would you? We're doing a, a lovely journey through Scripture today to help us just not neglect the beautiful Holy Spirit, who he is. And 1 Corinthians 12, oh, 1 Corinthians 2 rather, sorry. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12, Paul says the following. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, when we become born again. We have received the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. And he says, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The things of the Spirit are what we need to get filled with. This is what he's saying here. 
Your natural mind does not receive the things of the Spirit, but your spirit wants the things of the Spirit. So what he's actually saying to us is, guys, keep on being filled with the things of the Spirit. Keep on considering the things of the Spirit. It's not just come and stand in a lineup here and we pray, be filled. Like, what does that mean? And I'm not against that. I'm just saying sometimes we, we put so much emphasis on somebody else's prayer for me to be filled that I never go around seeking the things of the Spirit. Do you want to have more of the Spirit? Go and seek the things of the Spirit. Where does it start? Right, yeah. You want to be filled with the Spirit and consistently receive from the Spirit? There you go. There you go. There are some extreme charismatic things that we've seen. And praise the Lord for the charismatics. And there's, there's some of that in all of us, I guess, and, and Pentecostalism and whatever else. But sometimes we, we place so much emphasis on one person being anointed by the Spirit of God that we all just want Him to touch us so that we can fill Fill, 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 fill. I'm like, no, 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 filling comes from this, from the person of the Holy Spirit who is the author of the Bible. So you want more of the Spirit of God in your life? It's great to ask, please, Clive, just pray with me or somebody else to pray with you and say, God, help me to hunger for more of your Spirit. But the hunger needs to be fed. If there's a hunger in you that you want to be filled with more of the Spirit, then you Go to the Word of God and read about the things of the Spirit in the Word of God. Let me show you one practical one. Romans chapter 15. I love this when I read it. Romans chapter 15 is the following. It says in verse 4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So Paul is writing, obviously, the Scriptures at that time was just the Old Testament. Today, we have the full version available. So if I read this in current context, we're saying, for whatever was written in former days, come on, here it is. It was done for our instruction, because that's what Paul writes to Timothy. All Scriptures, God breathed, ready for instruction to build us and to mature us. It says, it written for our instruction that through endurance, lovely word endurance, not just once of, Endurance, keep on being filled. And through the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. Now see who combines himself with this in verse 14 or 13 rather. It says, may the God of hope, that's where we receive our hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So by the way, one of the practical ways in which we receive more is believing. How is your believing taking place at the moment? Because that determines what you fill yourself with. And it says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So Holy Spirit is the, is the, the person or the agent that works alongside with the Scripture to fill us with hope. You say, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to put the word over there and I want to ask you to minister hope to me. Paul says, May what has been written be there for our encouragement, and with endurance may we receive hope. Then Holy Spirit comes and He says, I'll be that agent that will help you as you engage the Word of God, receive hope. So He will fill you more with, for instance, hope as you engage 
What? The word. The word. How many of you need hope? Come, please, come stand up here. Let's pray for you. And that's often what we would kind of propose. And it's nothing wrong to encourage one another through that. But if, if I'm in a place of, of hope, then I'm, I go to the scripture. And if I can't, then I'm like, hey, Lance, would you please just help me from scripture to see how I can have hope? Then as Lance shows me verses, I go with endurance and I dive into the word of God so that Holy Spirit can stir up hope within me as I read the word. Come on. So much of our time is often spent on what other people would pass on as hope to us through WhatsApp or whatever it is. But the primary root or source for your hope is Holy Spirit that wants to fill you more as you engage the Word. So His presence pulls you to His Word. And Jesus promised us in in Luke chapter 11, by the way, in verse 13, he says, if you ask, will I give you anyone else but the Spirit? If you ask for the Spirit, I will, ask, I will give you. And so we have this wonderful promise that he says, you have my Spirit with you to enable you to receive, for instance, hope as you engage him and as you engage the Word. So I have to discipline myself to be filled with the knowledge of his Word and so experience the fullness of God, the fullness of Holy Spirit in me. The way to be filled with more of Holy Spirit is to be filled with the Word. And the way to have, to have more of the power of God functioning in me is to believe the promises of the Word. It's there. You don't need some special emotional moment, somebody to specially lay hands on you to receive. All of this, it comes directly. Jesus says, I will baptize you. I will give you. And I think so often we, we kind of get stuck on this thing of being baptized and being filled. And, and then we kind of, kind of just push it away. And we try to live our lives on our own. And this dunamis power that God wants to fill us with, we're like. So I want to encourage you. Go and read this. Go and study it. And, and then we read lastly the evidence of all of these. And this is what we will be talking about in the weeks to come. The, the evidence of Holy Spirit in our lives. I mean, it's just wonderful to, to see that. And these are just some of them. First of all, we see that there's obedience where they say, we'd rather obey God than man. Acts chapter 5. Where Peter, the same guy who says this, previously had said no to being known as one of Jesus' followers. Now suddenly he stands up and he says, no, no, you can't obey man, we've got to obey God. So there's a boldness that comes when we allow the dunamis power of God to function in our lives. We also see that there's, there's um, not just obedience, that there's praise that comes. These guys were praising God when they were filled with the Spirit. The one thing that it says there, even these, these strangers in that city of Jerusalem, when they heard them speaking in tongues, they said, we hear them Speaking in our language, magnifying God. How's that? So again, the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming upon us is not so that you can have a tick behind your name. It's so that we will glorify our God, that praise will not be considered to be something that we are embarrassed about, that we will glorify Him 
in every circumstance, whenever we're with strangers that do not know God, when we're with believers that know God, praise is on our lips because the dunamis power of God rests upon our lives. And then that boldness one, that, that so clear where these men were just not intimidated by the people around them. And then the fruit of the Spirit is there where you operate in the character of God. And then the gifts as well, which we will talk about. And by the way, so often, because in the book of Acts, when Holy Spirit had come upon people, as you saw initially, and the tongues of fire came on, and they spoken in a different language, we only associate the baptism or being filled with the Spirit as being able to speak in tongues. And, and that's one of the gifts. It's not the only gift. So what people have done, unfortunately, we've only qualified being filled with the Spirit as being able to speak in tongues. And then if you're not, then, well, then you're not filled with the Spirit. But I've got the evidence of all those other things in my life. But that one gift that's part of the gifts as we read about here in Corinthians 12 is evident, but I don't mind about the others. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've got that one gift. So, or you don't have that gift and and we kind of almost condemn people. And I, I just want to categorically state that the Bible does say that tongues are one of the gifts. But it's not the only gift. And that, that the emphasis should not be on one gift only. It should be on the presence of God within you. That leads you to a multiple different way of living. By becoming bold. By being... Um, willing to obey God, by praising God, by being a servant, by loving Jesus, by loving people. Those things become evident. We just, oh, can you speak in tongues or not? I understand that in, in Acts, it's evident in many cases, but not in all. Not in all. So we cannot make one rule out of multiple examples. So praise the Lord for speaking in tongues. I can, but it doesn't make me a better person than anybody else. Maybe there's another gift that you have that I don't. And, and together the body is edified and the world is changed because we together. So folks, I just want to encourage you as we come to an end. Ultimately, the crucial issue is this. That Holy Spirit wants to flow through us. And that's what the last verse in John chapter 7. And maybe we should just close with this as we, um, as we consider the last portion of scripture to relate to and my apology for trying to fit so much into this but it's important for us to clarify just how we receive him and how he wants to fill our lives and Jesus says this in John 7 verse 37 on the last day of the feast the great day Jesus stood up and cried out if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture had said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Acts 2, we see that happening. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus says, guys, this is what's going to happen. Holy Spirit will come and live within you. And out of your innermost being, rivers of living water will flow. What does that do? It nourishes it blesses others. So the Spirit has not been given for me to go around, Ooh, look at me. Out of me will flow to nourish you and you and you and you do the same. And so many of your stories that I know are how you are nourishing people just by being kind 
loving, generous, serving, humble. Keep on doing that. And as we engage the rest of the evidences, as we continue from next week on, I encourage you to see what else Holy Spirit can do through you. But this morning, I wanted to encourage you that we receive because we ask. Nobody can force you to anything like this. First encouragement is we've got to have a relationship with, with Jesus to have a relationship with Holy Spirit because he comes and fills us at, at conversion. The second encouragement is to believe and receive this additional infilling as we see Acts talks about if you've never received that. And then the third encouragement is to keep on being filled. Keep on asking, but keep on enjoying him as you recognize how much he wants to fill you with his spirit as you engage the word. Right? This is, this is kind of like the resources from heaven being poured into our hearts and into our lives as we come to it. There's not a, some faiths have this place that they go to. That's where you receive something. You've got to travel to this destination. We don't have a destination like that. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to receive more of God. Okay? It's great to go there and to walk the streets where Jesus walked. Nothing wrong. But this is your destination. You want more of the Spirit? You come here. Let him pour himself into you as you engage him here. Let's pray.